Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number, are you ready? 2,000. That's right. Wow. 2,000 interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. When I started the Cars Yeah podcast in May of 2014, if you told me I'd have the honor of speaking with over 2,000 inspiring people, I probably would have laughed at you. The journey's been amazing, it's been challenging, it's been thoughtful, and of course, it's been enormously rewarding. It's taken me to almost every country around the world, into the lives of people I would most certainly never have met, and provided opportunities for me to produce a Cars Yeah TV show that I did back in 2019. Well, COVID killed that, working on maybe bringing it back. I've been invited to be a keynote and guest speaker at numerous events. I've met childhood heroes and everyday people who have become my heroes and so much more. People who have figured out a way to wrap their passions and lives around their love for vehicles like what I've done. And even back in May of 2014, my goal with Cars Yeah was to inspire you, the listener, by sharing inspiring people. It's a bit of a double entendre. I want to sincerely thank you listeners for your kind ears, your thousands of Thank you emails, messages, letters, and and even some very cool gifts. And a huge thank you to my guests who trust me to share their stories with courtesy and sincerity. And most importantly, that they're sharing their time. Because, boy, if anything we've learned over the last two years, time is our most valuable asset. And so to celebrate this Mile Marker show, number 2000, I thought long and hard about who I wanted to be my guest. Well, there's always celebrities, very accomplished business people, famous racers, all these people come to mind. And of course, that guy named Jay Leno, I'd still like to talk to if I could get him to return my calls. Maybe one day I'll bring old Jay to the show. (sighs) Well, in the end, I realized that the Cargill mantra that you hear me talk about on pretty much every show is inspiring automotive enthusiasts. I even trademarked it. And a person that keeps coming back into my mind, someone who embodies inspiration and who understands what I've learned after so many talks that we as humans are really at our best when we're giving back to others, is Renee Brinkerhoff and her Valkyrie racing endeavors. She's been a guest on the show before. So instead of just rehashing what we've already talked about I thought that today I would bring Renee and her daughter Christina, another past Cars Yard guest, here on the show to share their latest accomplishments. It's an incredible adventure that they t- took part of in December, an uh, Antarctica continent drive or race in a 1956 Porsche 356. And you know what they realized, and Renee has learned that helping others is really the key to being happy, and they've raised hundreds of thousands of dollars to Valkyrie Gives to combat child trafficking around the globe. So what better inspiration but to bring somebody like that on as my 2000th guest. So as I always say, be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today, I am with two very special guests, mother and daughter, Renee and Christina Brinkerhoff. Renee, Christina, welcome to Cars Yeah! Do you both have it in gear, and are you ready to release the clutch? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Ready to roll. I know. You two are always ready to roll. Well, you know, listeners, as I said in my startup, this is a very special show for me. 2,000 shows here on Cars Yeah in about seven and a half plus years. I never thought this would, (laughs) I'd ever get this far with what I'm up to, but you two are very special and I'm so happy to have you back on the show. And for you listeners, if you want to go back and listen to what I would call more regular Cars Yeah shows, you can listen to Christina's show. She's number guest number 1,440. Renee was guest 785. And then of course she came back and joined me again late part of last year as guest number 1,460. 
77. And so, I'm sorry, no, that was actually Julieta, your your other daughter. Renee was uh, 1937. So Renee was 785 and 1937. I've got all sorts of Brinkerhoffs going on here. Gorge, <laughs> hey, yeah. Love it. I had the whole family here, which is really special because that's a pretty rare thing for me. Let me give you two a proper introduction and we're going to dive into a story here for you listeners that is really a testament to setting goals, achieving goals, inspiring other people through what you're doing and giving back. And it's really what what I've hoped that Cars Yeah has been for all my listeners and my guests over the years. So here we go. Renee Brinkerhoff and her daughter Christina recently returned from what was a climactic culmination of their Valkyrie racing adventures. It was the apex of Project 356, a quest Renee began back in 2013. And then in 2017, to race all seven continents in extreme rallies, making Renee the first person to do that. Renee has raced her 1956 Porsche 356 in La Carrera Panamericana, East African Classic, Camino del Inca, Peking to Paris, Targa Tasmania, and finally, of course, what we're going to be talking about today, the Antarctica Ice Challenge. And along with her daughters, one of which we have today, Christina, uh, joining her uh, ventures, and in some cases physically joining her ventures, Christina has managed to document these events and... Uh, it was an integral part of the Antarctic Ice Challenge. She was down there with her parkas on. And you know what? They've raised over $600,000 through their driving force to raise awareness and funds to combat child trafficking globally. So grab your parka because this trip was an epic adventure. We'll be back in just a minute to get you in on this. But first, a word from our valued sponsors. Thank you, sponsors, for making the show possible. We'll be right back. My friends at Covercraft offer you 10 different options. That's right, 10 for your vehicle's protection. You can choose from WeatherShield HP, HD, Sunbrella, Ultratect, Reflect, FormFit, Custom View Shield, and their newest five-layer all-climate cover, three-layer moderate climate cover, and a five-layer indoor option. You have all sorts of ways to protect your car. All of these are custom-tailored by Covercraft's talented craftspeople. It's the form and fit with the quality to attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Surface protection is the best way to preserve the investment you've made in your vehicles. It's what I do. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. I have a Covercraft cover for every one of my vehicles, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your order, plus you get free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. I was talking with a buddy of mine the other day, and he asked me about American Collectors Insurance. He said, while I listen to you on Cars Yeah, you're always talking about agreed value collector car insurance. Well, I insure all my cars on my regular auto insurance policy, and I've done it for years. Why use a different company for my collector cars? I get a multi-car discount. Isn't that good enough? I suggested he call his carrier and ask how much he would get if his collector car was totaled or stolen. He called back and said, boy, that was a scary conversation. Their value of my car wasn't even close to what it's really worth. Thank you for the education, Mark. So don't just hope for a fair claim settlement. Be certain and know exactly what you receive with an agreed value policy. American Collectors Insurance has been protecting enthusiasts since 1976. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of Mark Green's at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors, automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. They're the ones that insure my car. That's American Collectors Insurance. I've teamed up with AutoGeek because, well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories, for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against 
against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. So, Renee and Christina, I want to dive right into this last adventure because you returned back in December, just about a month ago, from the Antarctica Ice Challenge. And, Renee, I'm going to start with you to talk a little bit about what you had to do to this car of yours because I love Porsche 356s. I've seen your car. You and I have met at the Quail. Uh, I've seen you, of course, all over the internet, videos, pictures, and all of that. But the car itself has gone through a major transformation on this last venture. I I won't say last because I think there's going to be more, but the seventh of your adventure. So could you walk us through what you had to do to modify this car? And and you listeners, I'm going to put links to all this. You can go and physically see this because as she describes it, you're going to go, you did what? So tell us about this, Renee. Well, going to Antarctica posed all new challenges for the car. Though I started off adamantly saying I want tires because we'd done everything on tires, it quickly became evident that that was going to be an impossibility. The ice and snow is thousands of feet deep. The engineering difficulty is that you cannot have any kind of pressure on the ice that will cause you to sink. So you have to have your weight evenly distributed. If you can imagine if you were, let's say, 300 pounds and it was you know, snow that was 40 feet deep and you wanted to go out for a walk where you're going to sink every one of your steps, you're going to be sinking and you're not going to be able to go anywhere. So we had to create this massive footprint of the car to distribute all the weight. And to do that, we would have had with tires, we would have had to have 42 inch tires. If you can imagine that little car with four 42 inch (laughs) tires, there'd be no car left. Right. There'd be no car. So we had to have skis and tracks so we could glide across across the surface. So that just in a nutshell was the challenge. And to do that, we, uh, I got hired Kieran Bradley, who has the world record of cross country to the pole, fastest time land speed record in a vehicle. And he helped us engineer this little car to make it successful. It's absolutely amazing. When I first saw it, I just went, oh my gosh. Now, this car was built, the modifications were built and added to it in England. Am I right? That's correct. Yeah. So you ship the car off to England and then they build build it and work on it. Now, this is all being done kind of during COVID, right? Yeah, it was. So mm-hmm. you really couldn't go there to be a part of this. You had to probably do a lot of Zoom meetings and video type things. Now, once they finished the car and you looked at it, and you, your jaw probably dropped, although I know you knew what was going on along the way. But when you finally saw it, I mean, what was the reaction? You <laughs> described it, Mark. <laughs> yeah. The car was tested in the backyard of Kieran. They had some snow in the UK, you know, snow on grass. He did a, a quick test. We didn't have an opportunity to really test it at all because of COVID until we got the car down to Antarctica. We saw the car for the first time, Christina and I did last summer. We went to the UK, the car was going to ship, but I wanted to meet with the team. I wanted to see everything. I wanted to approve everything before we put that car in a container for that long journey. And we literally went to a studio. They, uh, We said, okay, let's see the car and let's take some photos. So we went to the studio and they had it behind this massive black screen mm-hmm. draped and threw back the drapes, and literally our jaws dropped. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you said, our jaws dropped. Seeing it a photo is one thing. Seeing it in real life was absolutely incredible. So, Christina, you must have looked at your mom and said, what have we done? <laughs> uh, oh, I mean, gosh, I have to say, seeing that car was I wasn't expecting to be as in awe and as wowed and as shocked. And it looks for some, somehow through this process, it's transformed into its most perfect version of that car. And we we're, we're talking about it now, but like, we can't take the skis and tracks on it because it looks so unbelievable. It sort of looks like a monster from Mars. I mean, it's big, it's beefy. It's, I can't wait for you to see it, Mark. It looks unbelievable. I have always thought that the Porsche looks a bit like a frog. Even the 911s as they evolved out of the 356. But to me, the 356 has this personality of a frog. Hmm. When you add those rear tracks, those are the rear legs of a frog that make that frog. That's that's how what I saw when I saw it. But I couldn't believe it. I just went, what have they done? 
And <laughs> you know, so that's why I want you to explain it a bit to the listeners. So when people see this and they go, oh my gosh, blasphemy, they've destroyed this 356. No, it's an evolution of everything that's culminated to this amazing venture. Now, Let's talk a little bit about logistics. And, and Christina, you were involved with a lot of the, if not all the logistics, probably not all, I'm sure your mom was involved, but the logistics from getting this thing, this whole adventure happening. But the COVID restrictions, the logistics of getting the car there and then getting you guys there, it's, we could do our talk about this, but kind of mm-hmm. explain all the different challenges you ran up against because none of this was easy, was it? Gosh, it was so challenging. So we finished the East African Safari Classic in December of 2019. The car went back to the UK and went back to Tuthill, Portia. And then we quickly got it to Kieran to start the development in the beginning of 2020 because he'd been developing while we were away in Africa and getting ready. So we got the car to him and gosh, we held on until about September of 2020, thinking we could still go. And they canceled the ice season down in Antarctica due to COVID. So we didn't know if we were going. So this is this process took an extra year. Um, but what it was amazing about it is it gave Kieran extra time to develop it. And per, he's a perfectionist and he he honed exactly what he was, you know, had intended to do and had more time to do that. So gosh, we realized, I think spring of 2021, we were going to go Damn, we were going to do everything we could to get the car there. So it started to become real last summer. And that's when we decided, okay, we're shipping the car. We let everybody know where we were. You know, we made a decision in March. We could have sent the car to Sweden, but we wouldn't have been there to test it. It would have just been, it was more money than we were willing to spend just to test the car. And there's no other environment like Antarctica. You know, I think there's 30 different words for the snow and ice down there that the Inuits have, especially in the North Pole. So there's just, the conditions are so varied that it didn't really matter if we tested it to some degree, because Antarctica was going to show us things that we couldn't have found out in Sweden. So we went to the UK in July and I, and we got the car, gosh, on a boat two weeks after we saw it. And I don't think we breathed until we landed in Chile. And even then, probably not until we got to Antarctica, because the challenges of getting the whole team there, the quarantine challenges, the the COVID, the, I mean, there was a moment, at least seven days where my mom and I didn't think we were going to make it due to some massive challenges we had with the Chilean, the complications of getting down there with COVID. So um, we, luckily our team's really light and and that's purposeful. So it was Neil, our, our film guy, Simon Redhead, who's been the mechanic on every single continent, which is amazing to have him. And then Jason DeCarteret, who is who's the polar explorer, has the world record and was my mom's navigator in this case. So gosh, there was a lot of missed flights. <laughs> moments we were like, we don't know if we're this we looked at each other like if we don't do this, uh, you know, it was really high stakes for us for a lot of reasons. But um gosh, we got down there and got on the ice and it felt like we'd landed on the moon. Well, Renee, I want to ask you about that because I had the privilege of being part of a little media Zoom meeting a couple of weeks ago where I got to sit in and listen to all of your team talk about this amazing adventure. And one of the things I heard was landing on the blue ice runway. Explain as best you can what that means. Now, I've seen the pictures, but the blue ice runway, the airplane actually lands on ice. Mm-hmm. It does. So blue ice is literally blue. And it's created because of intense, immense pressure. So these are moving glaciers. Slowly they are moving, but they there's so much pressure that it pushes all the impurities and all the oxygen out of the ice. So it is blue. It creates this blue ice. And it's not smooth. It's not flat. Um, if you can imagine a very choppy sea, a very choppy ocean that's created by wind and then freezing that surface. So it has all these little cups all over it, different sizes with ridges and different depths that are made from wind. And, and, and when it gets warm during the day, it melts sometimes, right? And so then it, get, it creates these little cups because it melts differently in different places. And then it freezes again. So you have this cupped, rough, slippery surface. And the blue ice in, at Union Glacier where we went, which was the base camp, it's been tested and it's strong enough to hold an airplane to come land. It's one of the, I think there's only a couple of them uh, that in Antarctica. And this is one. And this is in the interior where there are no animals. There is nothing but snow and ice. And when you get out, you're, you were wearing on the plane what you will wear when you step off that 
airplane and into that environment. Um, they say, do not put any of those clothes in your bag in the belly of the plane. You've got to have them on. So when you get out of that plane, you're in that environment. You don't get frostbite. So you're just stepping off that plane in this amazingly gorgeous other world that has these mountains and you're looking at snow that's thousands and thousands and thousands of years old. There's very little snow. In fact, when we were there, it was the snowiest year that they'd had in about 15 years. Oh my. <laughs> and so the snow that you're looking at is from thousands of years ago. It's not like it's a recent dump. Right. No, that snow has been there. And um and then there and then there's ice and sometimes there's just the ice with no snow on it and sometimes it has, you know, I don't know, hundreds of feet of snow over it. So it's a very varied surface and incredible. Yeah, but it is definitely blue ice. It sounds unimaginable, like being on Mars or something like that. And I want to get back to some of the challenges you face filming and so forth. But before we do that, Renee, I'm going to stick with you here because there's a couple issues here. Well, a couple. There was a lot of issues, but I'm going to touch on just a few. Number one, how cold was it? What kind of temperatures are we talking about? Well... Below zero, <laughs> below yeah. freezing. Yeah. Uh, inside, so we slept in tents, and in our tents there was, um, you know, it was the a, a snowy floor, uh, just because the wind would blow the snow, and the snow doesn't melt. The snow is right. So it was. We hovered around zero degrees Fahrenheit, and you know, it, it definitely was like maybe ten or twenty degrees below Fahrenheit if you t- factor in wind chill and humidity and all. Mm. Exactly. But then we that was at base camp, and then we would leave base camp and go up into the mountains where the gla- up to these high glaciers. So the temperatures were different there, and colder and windier. And what those were, I don't know. I don't have any idea. It's just damn cold. That's what they were. Well, and let's talk about this a little bit. One of the things that I found fascinating was your car doesn't have a heater in it. (laughs) So let's go to Antarctic in a car without a heater. Okay, let's do that. How on earth did you not freeze to death? I mean, you had, is it the clothes? Oh my gosh. I got to tell you. When people asked me before we went down there, are you anything you're concerned about? The only thing I was concerned about was the fact that the car didn't have a heater. Well, yeah. You know, and that was purposeful. And again, that was trying to strip weight off the car to diminish as much weight as we could from the car. So we took out almost the entire uh, roll cage, except for the most primitive part of it that we would need if we went into a crevasse. And since we put a crevasse bar on, the car that added weight to right so any place we could reduce weight we did and the car didn't gosh if it had a heater in it i never used it because what race car has a heater in well, it usually right? especially where you've been <laughs> so, racing in very warm yeah. environments so yeah you didn't need it well that's an interesting fact and the the interesting bar on the front which i always wondered what is that all about i thought it was for busting through piles of snow but no it's in, it's if you fell in a crevasse now i want to talk about this crevasse thing because Jason, who is the polar expert who kept you on track, and this is amazing to me. He basically was like a navigator in a rally race, but he was keeping you on a certain course because the way he described it is you were in sometimes in a situation where if you veered off just five feet, you could fall into a crevasse that you didn't know it was there because it had snow covering it. But we're talking about not a little gully. We're talking about deep, deep, deep crevasses that you could literally disappear into. Yeah, you described it correctly. So, Holy cow. Yeah, that crevasse bar was to catch the car. Yeah. And we had we had some very serious conversations in Chile before we went down there. Jason implored us to all write our last letters to anybody we loved. Oh my and, gosh. And to and to leave them with somebody in Chile so that if something were to happen because it's a he calls it the beauty and the beast, right? Incredibly beautiful, but also like a big beast, you know, can devour you. I, and Okay, um, you gotta stop for a second here. I'm write your last letters to your loved ones. What was that like? Gosh, that was interesting, wasn't it, Mom? Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We would joke on, we would joke, we would call them our death letter. It's not funny. No, but you but have to you have, have levity about yes. how serious it is, right? So we would joke and say, have you wrote your, written your death letter? No, have you? But I mean, we did all, we all wrote a letter because there's wow. a, you know, there's a genuine possibility that you're, you're not going to make it off and it, and it's, it's infrequent, but it's not as infrequent, I think, as people think. Well, you've raced all over the world. You've had a few crashes, a few shunts, as they say, in uh, the UK. I know in your race in uh, La Carrera Panamericana, you had one, uh, one of your first ventures down there. But, you know, we don't think about 
really none of us think about dying every day, but we could die in a car accident. We could get hit by a bus, all these things, airplane, whatever. But you're going into an environment where it can really happen. Now, one of the things that I also heard was that Jason's using IPR, ice penetrating radar, so that he knows where these giant crevasses are. Your trust in him had to be way beyond any kind of trust of any co-pilot in any rally, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually, the ice penetrating radar is not something that we had, but it's something that the logistics company does that they create routes ah. so that they so for instance if they need to make a rescue let's say someone is going to be skiing to the south pole they're out there by themselves or or they could be with a small group or whatever they're skiing to the south pole and they need to get to them to rescue them right and and sometimes they would try to get a plane in if they could and that would be very weather dependent or they might take a tracked vehicle which is very very slow um but they need to know what routes they can traverse that are quasi safe and of course knowing that this ice is always moving and so everything is not always where it was but they use this ice penetrating radar to create routes and so the the routes that they have around that we were planning on using and that we did use have had this ipr uh, radar done it's not totally precise yes and it's sometimes the flags between the route are 20 miles apart. Oh, gosh. It, or sometimes they might be, oh, gosh, maybe 30 feet apart. It depends upon how treacherous the area is and how closely you have to stay on that route. So in some areas, it was like, do not deviate more than 10 meters um, yeah. because there were crevasses in this area. Others areas, it was, you can deviate 100 meters. But but even then, and so when we were in this whiteout, we were in some whiteouts, and therefore you have nothing visual that you can reference, right? It definitely was um, unnerving. Um, for me, the hardest part was trusting my navigator because I couldn't see, and you can't see them anyway, but there's something about being able to rely upon your eyes. It does give you, you some think, sense yeah, of, driving of a car? security. Yeah, yeah just, right. Yeah, just a little bit. And you think about what you said earlier, down there, everything's moving. This is all moving giant plates, if you will, in a way. Uh, so it's not like those of us riding on the roads here that stay in place most of the time. That's just incredible. Now, I'm going to get back to you, Christina, in a second here and talk about some of the logistical challenges with filming. Because you guys went down there, you had photographer, videography, you filmed, dealing in freezing temperatures, uh, things like that. But before we do that, Renee, I want to get a little better understanding of when you're in the car and driving, because you had some days where you only could go so far, your goal was 356 miles. That makes sense with the Porsche 356. Some days you could only go 40 miles. Some days you would go more than that. What, how can you best describe what it's like to drive on the surfaces that you were on? Was the car like loose, like driving a car in a parking lot full of ice or what was it like? <laughs> well, uh, definitely handled differently. Yeah, no kidding. And uh, and and when you're going to make a turn because you had those skis out front, you had to make a very wide radius turn, right? There's no sharp sharp turns, and it was just being more thoughtful. No, no quick braking. No quick, you know, just being very more thoughtful and methodic in in your execution of your driving. And um, like you had said earlier, we didn't have any heat in the car, so a challenge for me was it's one thing when you're physically active and you're creating body heat. I had no way to create body heat, so and um, so my feet were constantly getting frozen, or my hands were not. And and then so you have hard to massive, feel your extremities. Yes, and then you had these. So then I got had these massive down mitts that I put on that, but then you're trying to, you know, manipulate the, for shifting and for steering everything with with these kinds of things on. And it it was snowed in the car. We had snow actually in the car, (laughs) not because the windows were down, but because of the weather, the weather in the car, it was precipitating. So the car created its own thermal weather environment, if you will. mm -hmm. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Where it was, where it was snowing in the car. In the car. That's crazy. In the car. Oh my gosh. crazy. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, And then on the, on that, on the blue ice, uh, even the co- though the car 
was when the when the carburetor wasn't frozen and the jets weren't frozen and when the bolt wasn't broken the car was absolutely killer on the ice it was just like wanting to just go and um we'd been given very strict um kind of guidelines from kieran because he wasn't sure what the the bearings the tolerances were for speed in the bearings again because we hadn't tested all these things so he said here's the range i want you to to try not to exceed like 27 28 miles per hour well sometimes we'd be going 40 some miles per hour and it's like Oh, and you had no sense of it. It was just, it was just, boom. The car wow. was just going. It was so phenomenal. Other times you're on the blue ice and it's just like your teeth are going to fall out. The car's rattling. Run, 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 run. You know, you're going over this bumpy, rough, rough, rough surface, right? right. It's cupped ice. The frozen and ocean surface. Yeah. Waves. <laughs> exactly, and, yeah. right? Yeah. Or when we were on the packed snow, we were just flying in the, we, we uh, were out distancing our support vehicle. The support vehicle was tired. Uh, they have to totally decrease the air pressure in those tires, and uh, they almost look, it almost looks like they're driving on flats. But oh. what happens when they do that is their gearbox overheats. Oh, so then yes. they're having to stop because of an overheating gearbox. And then also, in addition to that, they were getting stuck because of having tires, of their weight and everything. They were, you know, sinking into this deep, deep, deep snow, whereas we were able to fly over the top of it. And so there were many occasions where we were having to wait for them. Where are they? Are they okay? And then in the whiteout situation where we couldn't see anybody, you know, we're there to help them and they're there to help us. So that was, you know, at some point it was like, we keep going higher and higher. The weather is getting worse and worse. We're climbing this mountain in these glaciers. We really should try to turn around and go back and follow tracks, find our, you know, find our tracks, go back, find the support vehicle and stay together. Oh my gosh. Um, Wow. And it's just mind boggling. And we talked about you, you had the main or one of the biggest issues with the car was the carburetor kept freezing. And I know in the talk that I was uh, privy to where uh, your mechanic there was trying to fix that in freezing weather w- with gloves on and then take the gloves off and your fingers turn into sausages, basically were his words, because you're so cold. But the freezing carburetors and a couple of the parts overstressed because they weren't tested, they broke. But other than that, the little car did really well, didn't it? It was phenomenal. Mm. Polar Porsche was phenomenal. <laughs> Polar Porsche. <laughs> yeah. It was it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, it's just wonderful. So Christina, talk to us about some of your end challenges because you're there to make sure everything's working. You were working with a team to photograph this. Some of the photographs that I've seen come out are just works of art. Mm. Absolutely phenomenal. But you were met with a couple interesting challenges. I understand one of them was the drone needing a thermal jacket so it didn't freeze. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So the the drone, Neil put a bubble wrap around it and, and put some gaff tape on it to help, you know, protect it from the elements, which actually it did it did pretty well, all things considered. I think the one of the biggest challenges was just my fingers being freezing because I'd have to take my gloves off all the time. Yeah. There's really no way to manipulate your camera as effectively as you like with gloves on. And then I would have to take my glacier glasses that protect my eyes off a lot. And so I got hit pretty badly just with the the uv you got call you got what they call arc eye right Uh uh-huh yeah i'm the only one that got it yeah explain what that is it's just for it's from exposure to this thing because it's it's blindingly bright even in whiteout conditions we had two days of sun and it was spectacularly beautiful it was sub-zero weather but it it was a blue blue sky days and then on tuesday we started to get into whiteout conditions and then we were in whiteout conditions from gosh tuesday almost through the day that we left because we got delayed down on the ice because a terrible storm came through and, had, you know, we had record winds. So we were down an extra five days. We were stuck on the ice. But, um, you know, I got archive from taking off my sunglasses, my, right. the glacier glasses that, that wrap all the way around to be able to pull focus and right. check on things. And, and as good as I was, and I was, I was so mindful of it, it actually just burns the corner of your eyes. And it was been painful, gosh, probably f- until about a week ago, three weeks since I... Oh, my. Yeah. Wait, my like, eyes still hurt from it. It's like when you go skiing without sunglasses and you... Re- yeah. Why my eyes hurt so bad? But it's, it's magnified. Yeah, blindingly. Now, the other thing I understand was it's... Again, it's cold. You're dealing with batteries and camera gear that uh, I, your video guy would sleep with all the batteries and all the 
the footage yeah. basically to protect it, keep it warm. That's so, a, that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that true? That's is that so we what did. did. Yeah. So we, you know, we talked to a couple people before we went down. I said, Neil, we, you know, let's talk to this guy. Let's talk to, because we just wanted to gather as much information because you're going into the unknown, right? You don't know what to prepare. So you, we were trying to learn as much as possible from, from other photographers and videographers. And the recommendation was sleep with your batteries in your sleeping bag. So we both did that. And we, I think we slept with our drives in our sleeping bag just because you, you don't want to lose them. So you put them in the safest place or you don't want them to get damaged, especially because there were storms coming through, right? People's tents were being ripped off and you surely don't want your drives to go. <laughs> to go. Um, so, and then they said to keep your batteries on you at all times. So we both had our batteries with us. You're sort of loaded down all the time with your batteries and trying to protect it. But yeah, it all went in the sleeping bag every night for both of us. It's just incredible. And it sometimes I understand you lost satellite signals. So you were out there in the middle of nowhere, completely on your own. Was there ever a point in time where the reality that struck either of you to saying we could get lost and never be found? Because this is a huge place. Gosh, for me, there'd be moments when we were in, in Mama. I know you've had a similar experience, but it was complete whiteout conditions and we would lose the Porsche, right? So we're like, we can't. And the radios really surprisingly functioned really poorly. So you get past, it felt like, gosh, 30 yards and you can't hear each other anymore. And oh you're in gosh. whiteout conditions and you're you're hoping they're behind you. You know, you're sort of using your your best judgment of where everyone is. But there's, there's it is so remote and it's so vast and isolated. There's definitely moments where you realize how um insignificant you are are in that environment yeah Yeah. wow yeah well uh hopefully the uh death letters didn't come to mind during those moments and not to make light of it at all but i'm just thinking in that situation boy i hope i wrote the right thing Mm. wow it just this whole thing is just beyond imagination but that's why i wanted to have you guys here because you really are an incredible inspiration and Tying that to this little car and everything you've done with the car. Renee, when you met that goal, and I know there were times during this venture that you thought from the time you landed in Chile and maybe couldn't even get to Chile or to the Antarctic, and then will the car work and all the things that could go wrong. What went through your mind when you met that goal of getting those miles in and realized, I've done it? Mm, Wow. Oh, it was, uh, there was this, total release of this massive weight that you don't realize you're carrying. You know, we, we started talking about this project in 2016. We started yes. it in 2017. And all along the way, that you know, the whole thing was put this car in the most challenging environments, challenging ex- ex- experiences for a 356. And challenging for me as a driver, challenging for the whole team. Like, let's just really raise the bar on all these things and make it tough. And it was always tough. So you're always set up sort of in a situation where you're one down. And in many races, we were the absolute underdogs, the only classic old car in a, an event of maybe a hundred cars that are all modern purpose-built rally mm-hmm. cars. So you don't understand all that you're carrying and all this responsibility. And especially because you're not doing this in an isolated way where it's just you, you've engaged other people with your journey. You've, other people are supporting you. Other people care about what you're doing. And so it's not just having to accomplish this goal for yourself or even for your team, but for all these other people that care. And there's, and so when we were approaching the final, gosh, mile, mile and a half of this journey, and there was no guarantee at any point when we were down there that the car wouldn't be. There were two times when Simon said the engine's terminal. Oh, gosh. and then and then and we pulled in at nine thirty, nine forty-five p.m. at night, right? And, and you don't realize how long you've been out there trying to get miles because it's daylight all the time. Oh, that's and right. He, yeah, <laughs> it's daylight all the time. So and then he says the car is terminal. You know, and and then you know how long it's going to take. Do we have the right tools? Can he replace the engine? Is that going to solve the problem? You know, what's going on here? And and then you wake up in the morning, go in to start the car, or check on the car, and it starts up. Oh, wow! Yeah, it's like what happened overnight? <laughs> Miracles. What happened, yeah. right? Yeah. And then you talk to these people that maintain their vehicles and for the logistics company, these massive tuckers and 
track vehicles and different things. And they said, that's, that happens to them all the time. Something's terminal. They put it in their tent, you know, and for overnight, they wake up in the morning, they go yeah. in there and it's fixed. Yeah. So something happens, right? Magic, divine intervention or something there. <laughs> yeah, something happens. So there was the, definitely those, uh, I just started crying and it was very unexpected. I don't show a lot of emotion when it comes to crying in front of other people. I'm a very private person. And there I was behind my glacier glass glasses in that car. And I'm silently just, these tears are just coming down yeah. because I realize we're coming to the finish. Yeah. We're coming to the finish of not only 356 miles, but almost 20,000 miles in this car that we've been doing. And it was, uh, it was an amazing feeling of accomplishment and just a, a release of Wow. Incredible. Christina, tell me, how do you think about your mom now after these mm-hmm. years of what she's done? What? Wow. You must be incredibly proud. Oh my gosh. I'm, I'm so proud. And I've, I'm so humbled that I've had the privilege to go along for the ride and, and be filming on every continent and be a part of it and witness it. And people ask me that. And, and what's amazing is I saw my mom have a complete life metamorphosis. Like I knew, you know, of course, I, I thought I knew my mom, right? But right. when she started racing in her first year, dipping her toe was just to- You must be going, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> but it's but in some way, it just made total sense. And and that's something that's hard for me to fully describe. But through the course of, of this journey and all these races and all these kind, I've watched her step into this truer version of herself. And there's so much belief I have in my own ability and, and the things that are, that are possible in all of us, right? Yes. And I've been able to bear witness to that. And that's been just such a gift. Um, and I'm, of course, I'm unbelievably proud. Again, inspirational. Uh, both of you ladies are. And Renee, what you've done has been a massive inspiration to so many people. To me, uh, for most certainly, and that goes to another part here, and we could talk a long time about this, but I want to encourage listeners to go back to my last talk with Renee on Karjak because we talked in depth about what this is really about. And this is all really about Valkyrie Gives and about raising money to fight Probably one of the most evil things on the planet, and that is child trafficking, child sex trafficking, uh, just the incredible situations that very bad people put very innocent people in. And I just wanted to tell both of you what you've done to fight and combat that is really the most important thing about anything we could talk about today. And I'm really proud of both of you and what you've raised and what you've done. And again, I encourage you listeners to go back and listen to my talk with Renee because we got into this pretty in-depth from Renee going to be part of Sting's operations to capture people and trap people that are doing this. And all of you listeners can go to the websites. I'll put links to. You can donate. I encourage you to do that. That's how you can help fight this horrible, horrible thing. And my hat's off to uh, both of you for for making that your reason for having fun in cars. And it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Now, I always ask my guests about a book that they like. I want to ask it differently to you two. Is there going to be a book or a film about all these adventures? Because you've certainly got enough information for, for both. <laughs> Gosh, well, that's the film is what I'm one of my many jobs with about racing and Belgrade Gibbs. So that's what I've been doing on all of these continents in terms of on top of the logistics of, is I've been filming it. So mm-hmm. we're just heading into the editing process now. And that takes a minute, but we're so excited about having a documentary to show that yeah. really charts this this journey. And then uh, we're doing a book. It'll be more of a photo book, but we're doing a book concurrently. Perfect. I can't wait. And please let me mm-hmm. know so I can share that with my listeners. I can't wait for that. Now, that leads me to what I always take my guests on an ultimate drive. But again, this is a very different talk today with Show 2000. What's next, Renee? How do you top all of this? <laughs> right. What's next, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. As we, you know, as we talked about what we're we're calling the polar Porsche, right? Mm-hmm. It is so incredible in the state that it's in right now. There's no way that it should be parked or just, you know, put in a show. And we want to share it and let other people get to see it and 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 enjoy it. But it really has some amazing opportunities to do some more challenges without really giving you all the specifics. There are definitely some things that I would like to see that car do and uh, incredible things, some some new world firsts for that car and and to do it uh, as a mother-daughter team 
I would really like to do it as a mother-daughter team. So I have Christina in the car with me. Yeah. And uh, it will be in the fashion that it is now as the Polar Porsche. And it will be in even more extreme conditions wow. that we okay. then we just took it in so wow let your imagination go on that one <laughs> the polar <laughs> porsche will ride some more let's just leave it at that well before i let you ladies go today i would love for each of you to leave us with an inspirational thought because that's what cars jazz is all about inspiring automotive enthusiasts you too are inspiring automotive enthusiasts you listeners i hope if this hasn't inspired you uh, you need to wake up because what these ladies have embarked upon is just mind-boggling to me. I'm so very proud of what you've done and the fact that there's more to come, which makes it even more fun. So I'm going to start with you, Christina. Is there maybe an inspirational saying or a thought that has come to your life after being a part of this amazing adventure with your mom? Gosh, you know, this is this is something I'm going to quote my mom because okay. so much of my inspiration comes with it. But she said, gosh, four or five years ago, Go to your edge and conquer your fears and find out what you're made of. And so much for me, even because I, I went to film school and then at USC and then I had a different career path and then I've come back to it. And there's fear, right? What am I, what am, am I capable of this? Should I be doing this? And I'm in these extreme environments. I'm holding a camera out a window in Mongolia and, and I just have to <laughs> remind myself yeah. to conquer my fears and go to that edge. And I think what's incredible is I've been able to be put in really, really challenging environments and then you just have to rise. Right. Uh, but I, but I think there's a way we can put ourselves in, in our lives in all of our different sort of environments to whatever that edge that we can find is, right? Mm. And then and then dig deep. And it's amazing what happens to you. Amazing. Wow. And how fortunate you are to have your mom be the one that gave you that inspiration and then took you along for the ride, if you will, <laughs> and enabled you to be an integral part of it. I, I just, it's absolutely phenomenal. And Renee? Encouraging words of inspiration from you? Gosh, Christina. Christina. <laughs> Christina. <laughs> what you just shared, right? It's always like the first thing I think of. But all yeah. of that is really tied together with live your life with purpose. Yeah. Live your life with purpose. What are we here for? Are we here for ourselves? Are we here to accumulate wealth? Are we here to accumulate fun experiences? What, like, what are we doing on this planet? Mm -hmm. What is our life? What will be what remains of our life? And I just really feel that when I lay my head down, if I have, you know, take my last breath, I, I, I desire to be able to feel and know it was a life worth living. I lived my life in such a way that I've given it all I can. And, and, and really the whole reason Detra for what we're doing is to help kids that are being trafficked. And I, you know, our impact is growing. What we're doing is, is growing and, and how to help these children and how to rescue them, how to restore them. Just had an amazing conversation with someone on these, these kind of experimental drug therapies that can really jumpstart people that have had traumatic experiences, which these children have, you know, they have PTSD. Of course they do, right? What they've been traumatized with, how to heal them. And I just, if, what is the life of one child? worth how many children can we help how many people you know can we help prevent having this horrible thing happen to them uh to never even be trafficked so to me that's you know like what's what is life and why are we here and live with purpose and what is that purpose and it can't be for ourselves just for ourselves Woo! Yes. You know, you hit the nail on the head and my listeners know this. I've said it over and over again. And I've been asked to be a keynote speaker at events. And when I was first asked to go do something like that, I was trying to figure out what to talk about. My wife, Jill, who's a great inspiration for me, said, well, talk about what you've learned after talking and listening to so many people. And what I've learned is exactly what you just said. We are best as human beings when we figure out a way to not make it about us, to give back to others. And that's why I wanted both of you to be this mile marker for me, 2,000 shows here on Cars Yeah, and share this wonderful experience. And listeners, again, I encourage you to check out Valkyrie, racevalkyrie.com. Uh, there you'll find Valkyrie Gives. Find a way to give back to others. You won't believe how good you will feel. And Renee just put it better than I could have ever put it. You two, I want to thank you so much for spending so much time with me today for sharing this one incredible adventure. We could talk about all the incredible adventures, and uh, we certainly will in the future, but I want to thank you for being my two 
1,000th show. Technically, I've had over 2,000 guests, but my 2,000th show. And I really cannot wait to hear about your next great adventures. You're always welcome back here on Cars Yeah. Until we all talk again, thank you so much for the listeners, sponsors, and for you too. I'll see you down the road. Gosh, thank you so much, Mark. Mark, thanks. Always, always such an honor. But wait, Mark, we have one more thing I want to share, which is we have a really, really fun way to donate. Why am I not surprised you have one more thing coming? (laughs) You two always have one more thing up your sleeve. Okay, so this is a special way of how people listening can donate and truly, truly help, right? Yeah. Okay, so we have this partnership with Omaze and they have incredibly, gosh, believed in us and bought a Porsche 356, shipped it to Richard Tothill Porsche and had it impeccably restored. It's a 1958 and they're doing a sweepstakes and they're, you can win the Porsche, but a portion of those proceeds go to Valkyrie Gibbs. And so the better the campaign does, gosh, the better, the more we're able to fund um, frontline organizations. So if you go to omaze.com slash win this Porsche, you can enter to win the car and you can support us along the way. You know, this is super cool. And I'm glad you brought that up. I've gone to Omaze, donated there. This is really cool, listeners. You, you just O-M-A-Z-E, right? Omaze. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You just go there. You'll see, click on the little cars at the top. I'll put a link to it on the show notes page. Go down. You'll see a beautiful silver Porsche 356. And guess what? Omaze has done a special deal on this with Cars Yeah. When you go there and you put in the code CARSYEAH150, you get extra entries to win this Porsche. So don't forget to put the code CARSYEAH150 when you're at omaze.com. You know, if it's two bucks, it helps. If you have more than that, and I know you do, give as much as you can give. And the fact that it all goes to uh, this amazing cause. And the other thing I didn't bring up, but I want you listeners to know this, that this entire venture down on the ice, none of the the money raised is going to fund this adventure. You were funded by a golf company, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Parsons Extreme Golf funded 100% of our Antarctic challenge. They uh, believed in us. They believed in why we're doing what we're doing. And they saw that vision. They, and they shared that vision of their, that's a a part of very much what their company does. And they came alongside us and, and uh, made it happen. Yeah. And that, that's really, really important for you listeners to know that, you know, money donated to help uh, fight child trafficking didn't go to pay for this adventure. That was separate. So the money that you give here is going to go to do that. So I encourage you to check it out. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be the person that wins that beautiful Mm -hmm. little 356? Uh, You could uh, maybe meet up with the Brinkerhoff ladies here somewhere and have them sign the dash on that car. (laughs) That's what I would do if I was a lucky winner. Yeah, I thought so. Well, thank you for bringing that up. That's oh so important. So again, you're welcome. Again, just go to carsyad.com. You'll see all the links there on the website page. Show 2000. It's the only one. It'll be easy to find. Until we talk again, you two, and the next great adventure comes, please take care of yourself. Stay healthy this year, everyone, and stay inspired. Thank you, Mark. Did you know that less than 3% of all automotive technicians in the U.S. are women? You may not be surprised, but you should be concerned because our country is facing a massive technician shortage right now. Skilled, qualified techs are in high demand, and we need young men and women to consider these viable career paths. Cars yeah knows that women make great techs. I've interviewed a lot of them, so we support the nonprofit Tech Force Foundation and its Women Tech Rocks initiative to ensure women see themselves in this profession, the industry, and the workforce. Learn more at techforce.org today. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah. Yeah.